Okay, this is Leonard Angelo. Hello. Uh, uh, continuing to discuss uh, drawing, issues of drawing, beginning drawing. Uh, I went at length, I think, into how to begin a composition and how to break through the first, uh, the icebreaker exercise of, of, of working with a sheet of paper. I think the most important thing is to analyze <coughs> your, uh, your frame. Analyze it as a horizontal vertical. Is my subject best suited in a vertical orientation or a horizontal orientation? Is that... Number two, is my uh, composite is my uh, subject matter best uh, oriented in a corner as a small at a small scale? Is it something that should be uh, uh, cropped or or uh, cut and, uh, with the frame and have a dialogue with the frame that is very explicit? Should it be comfortably removed from the edge of the frame uh, so as to not? Uh, play in, in, in strong dialogue with the frame. Is that another thing? Uh, how big, how small should it be? Etc., etc. Now, that's if you're working with a single subject. If you're working with a very complex uh, grouping or an entire scene, it's very important to find what is called your primary subject. That is, your first focal point, the thing that you want the viewer, the observer, to see first. What is that thing? Now, if it, this is where things get complicated, so I'm going to stay with a single subject for, for a time and move toward the multi-subject piece, which is a co- more complicated issue altogether. But the same thing applies. If you're using the single subject scene or, or, uh, or depiction or observation here, it's important to understand how that's going to play, how you're going to look, how that's gonna, where that's going to be on in, within the frame, right? Within the picture plane, as they say. All right? Once you've done that, you do a quick mapping exercise. Now, this serves two purposes. Number one is to get uh, basically the, the silhouette, the overall, so that you can position that thing exactly as you would intended without running out of space because you got caught up in a certain detail or, uh, or uh, forgetting something that you didn't uh, at first see because it's a small thing sticking out on one side. You basically you understand the boundaries of the subject that, you, that you're working with, right? Understand the outside edge of the thing that you're working with. And you do this in a, as a two-dimensional exploration. You're not thinking very much at this point in terms of three-dimensional space. You, and there's an exercise that I uh, was taught by, in a couple of different ways by a couple of different professors. Uh, but the exercise, it mainly consists of learning how to blur your vision. Now, for those of us with glasses, uh, that ain't hard to imagine. Uh, and the exercise can be, uh, if it's useful to you, you sort of keep your glasses down on the, on the end of your nose like, a, like an old miser from a, from a Dickens novel. Or, you know, you just look down, right, and look up, you know, like old men do. That's that's the sound they make when they're doing that. I don't know. Anyway, uh, 
you're blurring your eyes if your vision is pretty good and you don't wear glasses. This is as simple as learning to sort of half close your lids. And as soon as you learn how to half close your lids and it's, it, it cuts, it, I don't know, it does something with your retina there. It cuts off some of your focusing ability when you, when you sort of half close your lids. I don't know why. But eventually, anybody remember these 3D uh, uh, pictures they were selling in the 90s? Man, they was awesome. And I got a, a tribute right here, a tributary right here on my 40th birthday. Was that right? Yeah, my 40th birthday. I decided to do a 90s birthday party where we would all pretend that I'm 20 years old. Because I was 20 in the, the early, uh, very early 90s year. And uh, I didn't want to, I, I just didn't want to, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to go to 40. Come on. That's a misery. So, uh... I had a party that is, it's, it's 90 or whatever, 92 or whatever it is, I can't remember. Uh, doesn't matter actually, because my age seems to drift as I get older. I, I, I'm just making it up at this point. I, I'm in my 40s somehow, some, somewhere in the end. Anyway, uh, what was I saying? So I did a 90s party, and, and I was looking for all kinds of 90s stuff that would make the party authentic. So I got 90s clothes, right? I dressed up the way I would dress in the 90s. It was awesome. I got my hair parted in the middle there, and, and uh, right, the, 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 the Leo DiCaprio from, uh, never mind. I used to like to pretend that I w- could be Ethan Hawke or somebody, some, some numb nuts. Anyway, what was my point? Oh, at some point, I'm looking for the ultimate 90s uh, item. And I was at a swap meet, right? Uh, and I'm looking around. I'm like, what's the ultimate 90s item? And at first, I'm thinking, I got to get one of those old, uh, uh, gateway computers. If, if those are still around, I got to get a hold of one of those with that cow logo on the side. Man, that would be a find, I tell you. What's better from the 90s in a gateway computer? I don't know. I was thinking, what, what could it be? What could it be? What could it be? I come across it. It's the best thing I've ever seen. The ultimate 90s item. Wait for it. It was in a plastic poster frame. that would hang on a wall so it's a good one. Because it's like a conversation piece for the party. You just put it right up there on the wall. It was a Star Trek The Next Generation. A magic 3D poster. And if you don't remember these, they were dope as hell. Oh, it swept the nation for a second and a half. It swept the nation. Basically, it was a poster that looked like it looked like a bunch of static from an old TV, or uh, or when your computer glitches out. It, it, they were ugly. They were real ugly. She'd, but but if you stared at this thing with a friend who didn't get it, you could make them very jealous. By making sure they understand that they don't get it. And then you'd give them a bunch of advice. Oh, no, no. All you got to do is sort of blur your eyes. No, 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 no. Don't do that. No, not that, not that way. So look away. Look back. Sort of blur your eyes. No, no, no. Before you focus. No, no, no. Not, not totally unfocused, but slightly unfocused. No, no, no. You're not doing it right. Anyway, if you could focus your eyes in a certain way, staring at this static... You would see a picture of the USS Enterprise and see whatever, whatever from this from the next generation. 
Oh, it was a beautiful thing. That poster was dope as hell. They wanted 45 bucks for it. It was in terrible condition. I couldn't do it. I couldn't pull the trigger on that item and I couldn't talk them down. The moral of that story. Learning how to blow your, blur your eyes is a skill. Okay? Moral of that story. I just saw a woman shaving in the car. Now, if you're thinking I'm making that up, think again. Who would, how could I make that up? Jeez, a crow. It was an electric razor, though. Oh, that's tough stuff, man. Life's tough for people, man. Life can be hard. Deal your deck you don't want to play. You know what I mean? I get it. All right. Sorry I called you out, lady. Nobody at work needs to know. However, if you want to keep that on the DL, you might want to try that at home. Just saying. Okay. Uh, you got to learn how to blur your eyes. And what you can do is essentialize the forms in front of you. When you blur your eyes, you lose a lot of the contrasts that you're able to see. You lose a lot of the light lights and a lot of the dark darks. And what happens then is an overall flattening of the thing in front of you. <clears throat> Try it out, you'll see. Basic, and it reduces the number of shapes you can see. The whole thing, I mean, our eyes are tuned to look for contrasts. When there are very low contrasts, we have very low, we have very poor vision. That's a fact. Okay. Poor vision is what you're going for in this particular exercise because you'd be trying to just spot the outline. And what that does is it makes it easier for you to focus on the big picture. And the big picture. Uh, whether or not you're working on a big picture. The big picture thing is this the, this concept of large then small. we got to move from large to small. You don't start a drawing with small things. It's too hard. It's overwhelming. And the whole process is already so emotionally overwhelming. Why add a technical overwhelming to the equation here? We're reducing the number of aspects or objects we can see, the aspect of the things we can see, the detail of what we can see, and we're reducing it to its simplest thing, which is the outline. And people are very good at recognizing outlines when they can stop focusing on the details, just like you'd be very good, uh, Brian, at recognizing the enterprise in my, my static picture if you would just blur your eyes right. But you're never going to get it, Brian. You didn't get it back then, you're not going to get it now. This wasn't made for you. All right? The 3D picture puzzle... Those things are for the, those in the know. All right? It's, it ain't an equalizer. This is the thing that sets us apart. This is American capitalism. This is how you separate the wheat from the chaff. And you ain't it, Brian. You're the chaff. You'll always be the chaff, you chump. Oh, Brian never got it. Uh, that's all right, Brian. It's not important. <laughs> Besides... That particular skill, how long did that last? What? It was about six months. And everybody's like, why the fuck did I buy this thing? At the uh, at the sharper image. <laughs> In the mall at the sharper image. Why did I buy this? What am I doing with these? Why, why did I fill my home with pictures of static? I don't understand what I was thinking. Ah, you know that... The, the early 2000s equivalent of that was these pictures that were made out of smaller pictures. I think some software some idiot invented that could make a 
make like a mosaic out of small pictures. So, you know, you see giant Darth Vader head made out of small pictures of Darth Vader from the movies. You know what I mean? That's ridiculous. How long did those last? Anybody still got one of those on their wall? Shame on you! <laughs> You're bought into a stupid trend. Well, we've all done it. We've all done it. Uh, makes it easy to start on a painting or a drawing when you uh, essentialize the, uh, the exterior of the forms. Then you can position that whole thing as a chunk on your, in, within your picture plane and frame it properly the way you want. Frame it with intention. And again, whether or not it has a relationship to the edge, whether or not it is in, in conflict with the edge, or whether or not it is in dialogue with the edge, whether or not it's cut off and you're blowing it up to a certain size to fill the frame, whether or not it's a small thing in one corner so that you can feel uh, the, the rest of the space so that that, uh, that subject matter actually chooses to, uh, or, or serves to punctuate the rest of the space. What kinds of decisions that you got to make when you do that? But it's very hard to do that when you're focused on a tiny detail. So this is where you start. The reason it's important to start like that is because sorting a drawing is the hardest thing in the friggin' world. It's very, very, very hard. Uh, ask anyone who's ever tried it. It's discouraging from the beginning. From the very first mark, it can be very discouraging. And it's important to sort of have these tools preloaded in your, in your brain. So you're not too worried about where this thing has started. And you can really focus on where it's going. Having a, a, a stage, stages of development can be helpful in that. Keeps you from uh, getting hung up on stuff. Keeps you from getting hung up on whether you made the perfect line. Nobody makes the perfect line. The perfect line will be discovered. It isn't to be made. The perfect line is one that you're going to pick out of a series of imperfect lines. Uh, yeah, like everything in life, right? It's better to have a uh, reference, a relative. Everything's relative. It's better to be able to pick something out relative to something else than to be offered one option and to, for somebody to say, look, decide if this is the best. But this is the only one you get to see. Uh, no such thing as that. Our minds don't work that way, unfortunately. <clears throat> you know, starting out a drawing just uh, reminds... Maybe this ain't the same for everybody. It can't be. It can't be. I've seen some magicians who could pull out some rabbits that I'm amazed by. But uh, for a lot of us, it's a common thing to experience a, a severe anxiety uh, in making the first few marks. And I think an exercise like this helps you to make those marks with uh, less anxiety. Less anxiety is better for finishing. Less anxiety is better for a, a, a long-term investment in time because anxiety cannot be sustained for a long period of time. Uh, I know that because I spent over eight hours a day at work. And I'd say seven and a half of those hours are spent in extreme anxiety. And it is a very exhausting state to be in. So, so it's important uh, to remember that. Um, 
uh, anything you could do to re- reduce your overall anxiety over the long course of a drawing is helpful and important and, and probably better for your, your health long term uh, if you want to be doing this on a regular, right? <clears throat> okay. Uh, why is it so hard for us to start? I thinking about that this morning. I was just having a conversation with a friend of mine. What a very critical mother, and so her life is sort of uh, haunted. Um, her mind is, is haunted by uh, her mother, or at least a, a uh, an abstraction of her mother that that represents uh, a lot of her shame and uh, and uh, uh, I don't know. It's a stand-in. That's what our parents, I think, over. I don't know. I ain't no psychologist, right? But uh, it seems like our parents. Um, don't ex- when they're gone or when they're not um, <clears throat> 100% present in your life, they do seem to take on um, a phantom aspect. The same way that I've often heard ghosts described as a, as a residual energy that's left over from a, a tra- traumatic event. That residual energy may take the form of uh, the, the, the little kid who was killed or whatever it is, or the, or the family that was murdered or whatever. <laughs> but uh, uh, they're not those people. <clears throat> and I think that's what happens with our parents. You know, we, we, we use, they become, they take a, a different form in our minds and then they become representative of some insecurity sometimes. Um, they become a voice. It's a disembodied voice with no agency. And it, it, all it does is sort of repeat. It's very much like a haunting. So anybody who ain't believing ghosts, let me tell you, that's what that's all you got to think about. Uh, for those of you who ain't spiritual, if you think you ain't fucking haunted, I'd like you to think back on somebody who bullied you or, you, or a parent who, who puts instilled some value in you that you hate. Uh, that's a haunting, my friend, and it won't ever go away. You gotta exercise yourself for that. Well, a lot of times we don't have the power to exercise ourselves to those kinds of demons, <clears throat> and they sort of creep up in places that are unexpected. Maybe places our parents would never have gone. That's the weirdest part about it. Uh, her insecurities sort of come up in places where her where her mother never would have ventured. Uh, uh, but there they are. There the voice is. Uh, still haunting to this day. Those are the kind of things that keep us from starting. Those are the kind of things that keep us from uh, uh, putting ourselves out there and 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 and, and taking risks, etc. I certainly am am riddled with with those sorts of ghosts as well. Uh, and for those of you who ain't spiritual, uh, ponder that. What do you call that then? Ah, you'll figure something out to ruin it. I, it's a very romantic idea, and I think it's helpful, actually, to think of it in spiritual terms. <clears throat> because it's out of your control. Whether it's in your psyche or not, it's definitely out of your control. So you better, you're going to have to go through some extreme workarounds to, to, uh, to be able to function with those ghosts in your, your attic there. Right? Those bats in your belfry, etc. Those kinds of extreme uh, 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 solutions, they, they may be as far as to uh, burn some sage and say chant before you begin your project. Or you can do these things that I'm talking about that is sort of like practical. Let, let's reduce some of the uh, 
some of the things I have to think about uh, in the beginning here so that I can just get something down and begin working with something that I can see instead of all of the potential possibilities, the infinite possibilities that exist in, in my mind and in the, in the observed. <clears throat> that's why I think that's important and that's why I think sort of having a procedure is important, at least in the beginning. Uh, but I, I don't have any problem mixing the practical and the spiritual like some people seem to have. Uh, uh, hey, that's your thing, man. Deal with it. You know what I mean? Okay. All right. Go out and find yourself a Star Trek The Next Generation um, 3D picture puzzle. I think you'll enjoy it. If you can find one. Hey, and if you can find one, let me know. You know where to find me. All right. That is it later, Angelo.